There's no greater joy in life than becoming a mom or dad. And just when you think you've got the hang of it, you're becoming a parent again for your own mom and dad. If you're raising kids and helping aging parents, welcome aboard. You're one of us in the sandwich generation. This is the Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey. Chris was an offensive lineman with the Super Bowl 21 champion New York Giants. Today, he is an estate planning and elder law attorney in South Bend, helping families make the most of their home field advantage. It's true, relationships really are the key to our happiness, but it's not all sweetness and light. Take, for example, a young man and woman who are in love and begin thinking about marriage. It's a wild, wonderful thought but taking responsibility for a lifelong relationship and for bringing children into this troubled world can be a scary thought. I've often been reassured by the words of St. Thomas More, who once said, times are never so bad that good people can't live in them. And it's true, but even so, life happens. You may still ask, well, what if I die in a car accident, leaving behind my wife and the little ones? What if I get a terminal illness? What will become of my husband and children? If this is your concern, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be, our guest today has an app for you. No, I'm not talking about something for your phone, but rather an application for life insurance. Life insurance is a great way to control the things we can control. We can't control the hour of our death, but we can control how we leave things for our loved ones. Andrew Weiss is a field agent for the Knights of Columbus and a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable, which is comprised of the top 2% of all insurance investment advisors in the world. He is a new family man himself, and he and his wife, Danny, just had their second child, and they're members of the St. Joseph Parish in South Bend, Indiana. Well, welcome, Andrew. When we were together earlier, you told me that when you and Danny meet people for the first time and, uh, and they find out that you're a life insurance agent, and that she's an attorney, they start to look a little nervous. Why <laughs> yeah. would that be? We can clear a room pretty quickly uh, with just an introduction. That's true, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think I was exaggerating uh, earlier uh, when I was talking about how important or how valuable life insurance can be for a young family? No, Chris, and I'm, I'm glad you did bring it up that way because, you know, I was trying to think of the best way to, to address that. And the simple way that I thought of is just, just take a, a woman who's 35 years old, earning $50,000 a year of income. If you were to do that math out and she would retire at 65, having never earned a single raise during that time, same income, her earning potential is $1.5 million. So if you took you know that, that, that number and you thought, wow, what would happen if something happened to her early in her lifetime? You know, generally speaking, a small term life insurance policy that could replace that for one and a half million dollars could cost as little as $750 a year. That's one and a half percent of her total earning income, right? One and a half percent of $50,000, $750 a year. I was curious to see like what I could equate that to. And I Googled the cost of a grande latte at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. It's about $3.65. And if every day for five days on her way to work, she picked up one of those assuming she took two weeks off during the year, she would have spent $900, over $900 on her Starbucks. So that in some way kind of put it into context of, you know, the importance of being able to replace 30 years of earning potential with a year's worth of grande lattes at Starbucks. Actually, less than that, you can still have one and have a life insurance policy. So, yeah, I mean, um, when we think about it in the context of what our potential is as younger people, um, in earning between now and, you know, our life expectancy or our retirement age, 
Um, that really kind of puts it into a, a context that's maybe more understandable with respect to how much money would be lost in the event of a tragic death early in life. Uh, so you're trying to replace all that lost income, um, and you're not doing it for yourself, right? You're, no. you're doing it for the, your loved ones who are, you leave behind that are missing out on all that, the benefits of all that work, providing you don't double your latte intake. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And really, you know, that income, I mean, that's our most valuable asset. That is the asset that drives all of our other assets. That's the one that pays for college, pays for school, pays for clothes and food. Um, and ultimately, even for our spouse, you know, can help supplement together our retirement. Right. And so um, a tragic loss early in life could spell disaster, not only for your own children, and but also your spouse um, in retirement. So that kind of number crunching, is that something you help people with? Help Absolutely. See how it would fit for them. And Absolutely. I mean, all of this is, you know, that's just a generic example that I gave, right? But yeah. every individual family, every individual has their own unique circumstances in life. And because of that, as you know from your own practice in law, you know, every situation is unique and requires special attention. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, you're listening to The Sandwich Generation on Redeemer Radio. I'm Chris Godfrey, and my guest is Andrew Weiss, and we're talking about life insurance today. So, Andrew, what would you say to um, families that are a little more established? You know, maybe they're 10, 12 years into it, maybe even had life insurance in the past, but let it lapse for one reason or another. Um, is life insurance still an option for them? Absolutely, Chris. And typically, in my experience, families like the ones you just kind of described, um, maybe they had a bad experience uh, in the past with life insurance. Maybe they were trying to be responsible younger in life, purchased life insurance and either had a bad experience with a company or a product or whatever it is. My advice to anyone who's either been burned or maybe had it, but let it lapse, or maybe they do have something, but they really don't know much about it, um, would be definitely schedule a time to review whatever it is you have and even to describe what you might maybe think you had uh, with a licensed life insurance agent. Um, you know, over time, needs change. You may have had small children when you were younger. Now you have maybe student loans to pay for for those kids. <laughs> yeah. um, or maybe you have a larger mortgage. Maybe you've developed credit card debt. Or maybe you're earning much more income now than you were back then. A premature death during peak income earning years could really leave your spouse short of the money he or she um, may have planned to live on in retirement. So even though maybe we don't have the small kids and things like that when we're in our middle-aged um, years, we're in a higher income earning racket at that time, and that income that we're earning is much more crucial to finishing the job, if you will, when it comes to retirement and maybe some of the other things that we haven't finished yet, like a mortgage or debts or things like that. Yeah, it's you sound like it's not like a straitjacket. You, you get a life insurance policy, you still have options. There are things that you can do to grow into your circumstance. It's not like um, a, a lifetime decision that you're locked into when you buy your first policy, is it? Um, yes and no. So first of all, obviously, I think something that causes especially younger people to be hesitant about purchasing a life insurance policy is sometimes the the permanency it feels like once you make that decision, you can't undo it, you can't change it, et cetera. Um, but I, I will say that, you know, at different stages of life, there are different needs. And I think it's most important to meet with your life insurance agent um, at least, I mean, I'd say at the least every two years or so, right? Because that way you're always able to update and make changes as needed. Um, the life insurance you may have needed when you were 30 years old may be much different than the life insurance you need when you're 50 years old. Mm -hmm. If you wait until you're 50 to make those changes, 
it becomes much more difficult to make changes. Whereas if you're constantly monitoring it, you're never really having to make drastic changes. Which brings me to the, the other side of the sandwich here. You're a little bit older now, right? You're, the kids are grown. You may be in retirement already. Is life insurance still something you might want to look at? Are there times when that might be appropriate still? Yes. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought it up too, because, you know, there are some what I call kind of myths about self-insuring or not needing life insurance once you're old. And frankly, this could be, you know, a big problem if if there were to be a, a premature death. So especially as you age, I think life insurance becomes more important because ultimately what's the number one reason for life insurance? If you die, it's going to pay out. The older you are, the closer you are to that inevitable fact, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but there's also tools that life insurance can be used for at this point in your life. First of all, it can be used to protect and maximize your pension. Typically, survivor benefits are lower. Um, often, a pension paycheck is taxable. A life insurance death benefit can replace that lost income and can provide tax-free income mm -hmm. because the death benefit to life insurance is tax-free. You can also take a single-life payout on your pension if you're planning ahead forward and not have to worry about the survivor benefit either running out or being depleted because the company you used to work for went out of business and now your pension is gone. So a single life payout would be taking a larger, you know, income and using the difference to purchase a life insurance policy that pays out when you die. That way the survivor check goes to your spouse tax-free. Also, remember, taxes are generally lower for a couple filing jointly than for an individual. And so once you or your spouse passes away, you may find yourself, the surviving spouse may find themselves in a higher tax bracket. By definition, that's giving you less income, even if you had the same income. So by creating a tax-free death benefit, you're able to navigate that. Also, replacing Social Security for a surviving spouse. If you have two retirees and they're both receiving a Social Security check and one passes away, there's only one coming now. That would be the higher of the two, but there's still less overall income there. And also, it can allow you to live you know, on your hard-earned savings without having to worry about leaving anything to your kids and grandkids. And this one usually gets a chuckle. I always say, die broke. Don't leave them money. Leave them life insurance. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what people say out loud, in my experience, many um, proceed with caution with their retirement savings because in the back of their mind, I think everyone wants to be able to say they can leave something behind. Mm -hmm. And if you in your mind are thinking, well, my IRA, I'm going to live off it, but I'm going to I'm going to be conservative with how I spend in retirement because I'd like to be able to leave something behind. Well, all of a sudden, you're cutting yourself short. You know, you've saved so that you can enjoy your retirement. If you want a life insurance policy, you can die without any money in your IRA <laughs> because then you leave the life insurance behind rather than having to worry about skimping and you know scrounging when you're retired. Well, that's an interesting thought. and But isn't it safe to say that since you're closer to payout, your premiums are going to be a little bit higher too? True, true. Yeah. And, you know, that's why, you know, at that point in life, the different types of insurance kind of maybe become more important, you know, different types for different ages. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, um, it's so good that you're with us because I think everybody in the back of their mind equates life insurance with being responsible. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but my goodness, there are so many moving parts. A number of them you just touched on, right? Three Correct. different phases of life, different things to think about. And then on top of that, there are lots of different products out there. But there are a couple of basic ones. And, um, you know, one is you mentioned already term. The other is whole life. But I was wondering if maybe you could just give us, you know, opinion free, just an idea of why one might be more appropriate than another. I think my, um, the best way to approach that, I always like to keep it simple, 
right? Because like many things, you know, you can get very complicated, but the, the best way to look at it is there's really ultimately, when you look at the big picture, two types of life insurance. There's permanent insurance, which never goes away and is guaranteed contractually to stay in force as long as you pay the premiums. And there's temporary insurance or not permanent, which is scheduled to be expired or done at a certain period of time. Okay. Within those two, you have all different names and titles. So, you know, you, let's start with a not permanent. You've already mentioned term, right? Term insurance is, allows you to purchase a large death benefit for very little premium for some given period of time. There's annual renewable, which means every year it changes. Uh, there's 10 year, 20 year, 30 year, et cetera, right? That's a very simple, straightforward contract. Generally speaking, you can't get too complicated with it, right? There's also universal life. You have very different various different adjectives that may follow or be in front mm -hmm. of a universal life policy variable, Heard universal adjustable yeah. indexed and all of that. Now, recently, a lot of those plans have been um, redesigned to be more guaranteed, um, but they're not nearly as cut and dry as say term or straight whole life. Then there's the permanent aspect and that's whole life insurance. It's contractually, legally, you know, bound to be in force till you die so long as you pay the premiums. My big thing is, you know, the more adjectives you find before the word life insurance, the more careful you should be and the more attention you should give. So, example, term life insurance. There's only one word before life insurance. It's called term. So all you have to do is find out what the length of that term is. Is it one year? Is it 10 years? Is it 20 years? And then that's pretty much the only question mm -hmm. you have to answer, right? Whole life insurance. One word before life insurance. It's your whole life. <laughs> as long as you're paying those premiums, it's going to be there. Anything else is going to require a little bit more attention and um, a closer reading of the contract. And that's just a responsible way to approach it. And I would say the vast majority of families would be able to find their need uh, fulfilled in one of the first two term, whole life, and a co or a combination of those two. Okay. Um, everything else, I would say, you know, definitely meet with a trusted advisor, you know, your life insurance agent, and make sure that the plan is good for your unique needs. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Um, this is The Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey on Redeemer Radio, and my guest is Knights of Columbus field agent Andrew Weiss, and we're talking about life insurance. And we just talked about the various types of insurance, and uh, Andrew gave us some advice that you could say is the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> but still, I, I would imagine that this whole uh, area is still a little scary for a lot of folks. But let's say they've, they've gone through a couple of hurdles. They've, they've, they've met you. They have a sense of the kind of a life insurance that would be appropriate for their needs at their stage in life. And, the, and they're about ready to sign that, uh, that application with you. But they're probably asking, well, what's the next step? Okay, what can I expect going forward here? I, I know that there's kind of an approval process involved. Are there medical exams? What can somebody expect to go through at this point once they've made the decision to get life insurance? Well, you're, you're asking all the right questions. And I think um, once a, a family has decided to make the decision to purchase life insurance, even then I would say, well, leading up to that, there's a couple of other factors that they may have considered. First of all, the strength and quality of the company, maybe the relationship they have with their agent or advisor, and then obviously their budget and their needs. So leading up to that decision to purchase, you know, I would say the first step that I always take is a financial analysis, right? And so we would look at, you know, the, the family's need based on their income, their debts, et cetera. Um, and then also their, their budget, what they feel is a comfortable amount 
to allocate towards taking care of a life insurance need. Are those payments fairly flexible? Do you work them out at the beginning? Correct. That would always be something that would be agreed upon before we ever decided to send in an application, um, or at least you know a range would be agreed upon because once an application submitted, there are changes that could happen. So basically, if you've agreed upon a budget and we have a general idea of what the need is, that's when we can begin an application. Okay. And so an application generally entails a series of preliminary medical questions and a collection of biographical data like your address, date of birth, et cetera, the kind of things you would expect when you're filling out some sort of financial form. Basically, once an application is completed, an initial deposit is required. Now, this isn't necessarily required with every insurance company. The Knights of Columbus, the company I work for and represent, we collect an initial deposit up front from a family because we have what's called a temporary insurance agreement. As a Catholic Fraternal Benefit Society, we want to ensure that our families are protected as soon as possible. So actually, our temporary insurance agreement will cover a family for up to a given amount during their underwriting process, even before they've been approved. That's why we collect an initial deposit. It's fully refundable, and I'll get into that. Some companies don't require it. Um, it's highly unlikely, but in the event that you were to pass away in the middle of an application process, most companies will not be paying any benefit. Knights Columbus, we would be paying some benefit, a portion of whatever uh, you're applying for. So it's even a two way, it's kind of a two way street. You Correct. have to be approved. Even you Correct. raise your hand and say, I want to go forward. Correct. With most companies, just because you raise your hand doesn't necessarily mean you're getting, you know, coverage. I, I equate it to applying to college, right? I mean, you can apply to all the colleges you want, but the only ones you're going to are the ones you get into. And even then you've got to say, okay, that's the one I'm going to. Yeah. So with our application, you submit a deposit. It's usually some minimum amount. Uh, temporarily covers you during the underwriting process. Remember, that's not necessarily true for every company, so make sure you you know um, investigate that with your insurance agent. And then the next part would be the medical exam. This is scheduled with a nurse. You can come to your house. He or she can come to your office. You schedule it on your own. Is that, oh, so it's somebody, not somebody that you provide. Correct. This okay. is typically um, an independent service, right? So life insurance companies foot the bill for all your underwriting up front. Okay. And so, you know, this uh, a nurse will come, take your height, weight, blood, urine, whatever it is. And all of those requirements are contingent upon the amount of insurance you're applying for. Sometimes you don't even need to take a physical. Sometimes you only need to answer a couple of questions over the phone with a nurse. Um, so it varies based on what you're applying for. Once those medical results are taken and collected by the medical professional and brought to the life insurance company, the underwriters examine them in light of their own, um, you know, requirements. And then they come back with an offer back to you. So now you've heard back from the insurance company. And there's a number of ways, generally about four different things you're going to hear back from them. One of them is you're approved. You can accept the policy as you applied for it. No changes. Another one could be that you're approved, but there are some changes. These could be good or bad. These could require additional premium, or they could mean you actually don't have to pay as much as you initially thought. Oh, good news. Right? Those are good news. Yeah, good <laughs> news. Generally speaking, a responsible agent will quote you a pretty standard rate and not just quote you the lowest possible premium because mm -hmm. generally speaking, most people don't qualify for the lowest possible premium. So few people are getting refunds, uh, hopefully more than most. Um, and then Another, a third option is that they could deny your application completely and say you just don't qualify medically. And then the third or fourth option is that they could postpone your application until another time. So they may say, listen, we're not going to deny you, but we're not going to accept you right now. You have to wait one year. Um, and there's a multitude of reasons for any one of those four. But generally speaking, those are the four results you'll get. Now, the final part is the ball is in your court. Okay. The insurance company has come back with their decision. And now it's up to you to decide what you want to do. You can accept the application on their terms. You can um, decline it and get your full refund back, a full deposit back as a refund, 
or you can, you know, you can contest the results and at your own expense, potentially do a physical with your doctor and send those results in and go back and forth. Maybe uh, forego that ice cream sundae and yeah, exactly. cigarette the Maybe, night before. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then even there's even one step further. And this is where I think some people maybe aren't aware. And I don't think a lot of life insurance agents do a good job of making their clients aware of this. Even after, let's say everything went well, you've accepted it, you've paid your premium, you're in, you're done. The life insurance agent leaves your home. And a couple of days later, you just kind of get a bad feeling about it. You just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. In the state of Indiana, you have what's called a 10-day free look period. 10 days after you've accepted your contract, your life insurance, and everything's in force, and you've paid your bill, and you're good to go, within 10 days, you can renege on your agreement and get a full refund. Hmm. That's that's nice to know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also nice to know that the states uh, heavily regulate the life insurance industry. And, uh, and, and, and I hope our listeners are getting a sense of this being a real lifetime relationship between them and the company that they're dealing with because the the contract it's a contract and you uh, really are relying upon uh, the other parties being honest being fair being strong enough to be in existence when you need them in the future it's really a a, a two-way street and uh, and a relationship and uh, and having a good relationship with your agent is important as well. So thank you for running us through that. Uh, I, I think that would probably be a shocker for a lot of people that you actually kind of go into being approved rather than just writing a check and going on with your business. Uh, because as we're talking about it here, this is a really a support uh, for your your family, for your life. And, uh, and it's supposed to give you peace of mind. And, uh, and you're only going to get out of something what you put into it. Well, we have a question here from Jim in Mishawaka, who asks, how can I make sure the life insurance proceeds from my policy are used as I intend them to be used, since I'll no, no longer be around to kind of make sure that happens? So uh, what do you tell somebody that's willing to buy life insurance, but all of a sudden the other reality comes into play? Oh, my family's getting this big chunk of money. I think it's going to be used one way, but how do I make sure that it's used that way? It's a really great question, Jim. And uh, this is where having a team is really important. And also, as you already said, Chris, having a good relationship with not only a good company, but a good advisor, good agent um, who you know you can trust. Because first of all, the simple answer is that there are named beneficiaries to life insurance. And so while you're alive, while you're applying, um, you can change, update, and move your beneficiaries as needed. So these are the people who will get the proceeds Correct. of the payment on the contract after you're gone. Correct. Okay. So, um, you know, you've got that $1.5 million policy I talked about at the beginning of our segment here. And um, that's a large lump sum of money to be just going to one named person without any real instructions. So if that's the concern, um, you know, that's where you work together with a good estate planning attorney. Um, and setting up a good plan for after you die. That's your area of expertise, Chris. And and that's where um, I personally in my own business work together with attorneys like yourself, Chris, who help our, our clients um, set up a plan once they've passed away or if they are alive but unable to direct their wishes so that those funds can be administered as they want them to be administered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we liken it to leaving instructions, Correct. your instructions, not the contractual instructions that you just write so-and-so a check or the, the law's instructions of who your next to kin are to, supposed to get it. Exactly. But you can say who's going to get it, and uh, you can say um, um, uh, who's going to control it as well. So there are really three things that we can uh, go through in a, an estate plan. We decide in advance who's going to control your affairs after you're gone, or at least that chunk of money that you leave behind the inheritance, uh, who's going to benefit from it, and when. 
they benefit from it. And estate planning is a, is a wonderful, very thoughtful, uh, proactive thing to do. But you have to have an estate to plan. And that's where you come in, right, uh, Andrew? So you create, make sure they have an, an estate, and then we help them plan for it. I kind of liken it to the analogy of a, an automobile and gasoline, right? We help yeah. create the automobile. Some people want to, well, everybody wants a Maserati, but yeah. <laughs> really, if it's going to be a, a, a minivan or something a little more practical. But um, we help them design the car just the way they want it, all right? It decides, you know, who's going to control benefit and when. Um, but the life insurance, that's the gas that takes that family to where you said you wanted them to go. Do you want a special needs child taken care of in a special way? Do you want uh, uh, funds put away for college education? Do you want to protect your inheritance maybe from a second marriage and making sure the, the kids from, you know, after you're gone, the, the new spouse's kids don't get it. That sort of bloodline protection is what mm-hmm. we call it in the trade. But there are all kinds of things and concerns that we have and we can. It's not controlling from beyond the grave. You're leaving instructions to make their lives better. And so working together as a team, okay, uh, you can get that done. So um, thanks for being with us today, Andrew. Being properly insured is really a great stress reliever for families. And that's how we began this whole adventure of starting a family. Can be a bit of a a nail biter when you look at the cold, hard reality of it all. Um, But we we appreciate you um, making all of this seem a little less intimidating. It's a big topic. We all kind of uh, equate it with being responsible, but how does that get done? And so uh, life insurance is a really a big part of that. And uh, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Chris. And it was my pleasure to be here. It's always great to be with a fellow knight. I've had the pleasure of working with many great professionals and their companies over the years, but the Knights of Columbus is the only one that can boast of being founded by a Catholic priest and one who's soon to be declared blessed by the church. A recent study by the Standard & Poor's rated the Knights of Columbus as tied for first among the most financially strong life insurers in North America. And it all began with Father Michael McGivney helping young men take responsibility for their marriages and families. So take heart. The pressures of living in the sandwich generation have always been real. But this vocation has always been a sure path to holiness when it's lived out as a friend of God. So I look forward to being with you next time on The Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey, where we are better because of each other. If you have any questions about today's topic, feel free to email us at thesandwichgeneration at redeemerradio.com. Comments by the host or any of his guests should not be construed as legal advice. If you would like to register for the free estate planning workshop, How to Protect Your Stuff in Three Easy Steps, visit godfreelawoffices.com or call 574-237-9000. And if you would like to receive our free Friends of God rosary booklet, please send a free will offering to Redeemer Radio at... Hmm. You can download this or any other episode of our show by searching The Sandwich Generation wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to like and subscribe. You've been listening to The Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey, a production of Redeemer Radio. 